What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to Jonathan Souls Podcast. This is Jonathan Souls speaking with you now. I have the honor and privilege of introducing you to a prolific writer. Uh, she works in the genre of mystery, little touch of scandal, a little bit of fantasy. Of course, I'm talking about Lynn Emery. How you doing, Lynn? Hi, how are you? I'm Hello. celebrating life. I'm, so, I'm glad I was able, I'm glad you're able to fit me in your schedule. Thank you. <laughs> the reason why I said it is because you got over 20 books to your name. What's going on? What, what do you eat? When do you sleep? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. I'm tired right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have a system. So yeah, I make time. I make time. So, um, so I, uh, I, I worked, I did work full time as a social worker for most of those books. Okay. So I had to develop a system and be organized. Really. Wow, wow. So I'm going to get into I'm going to get into that system part of the focus of this podcast and I think what I bring unique to the table is talking about writers, creators, filmmakers, talking about the process. So somebody who are, who's just getting started or somebody who's still green in the business can kind of learn from the masters so to speak if you if you if you pardon the label. So um but before I get into that uh, off, off mic. We were talking about your 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 upcoming book, Dead Wrong. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, Dead Wrong is the third book in the series featuring uh, Charmaine and Jesse Joliet. Um, they're psychic detectives. They solve uh, murders and they talk and deal with ghosts. Okay. And it's set in New Orleans. It's an it's uh er, what they call an urban fantasy is set in an, it's an urban setting with fantastic elements to it. Uh-huh. And in this case, they not only deal with uh, uh, the crimes of live people, but they deal with the crimes and of uh, dead people. Wow. Wow. So when I think of detectives, I mean, the earliest novels I can think of, and, and this is going to give away my age, but I'm thinking about Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? Yes. Okay, yes. don't leave me out there all by myself now. Don't leave me out there all by myself. So, <laughs> so, so um, you, it looks like the first published book that I can find uh, was in 95. Is that correct? Correct. That was uh, my first book was um, is Night Magic. Wow, wow, wow. And so how did you kind of happen upon or decide upon writing in the kind of uh, – mystery, fantasy, romantic type genre? How did that all mix together? I love to read mysteries. Mm-hmm. And because I love to read mysteries, I decided that I wanted to write murder mysteries and I wanted to write mysteries that show um, female um, sleuths solving the crimes. Okay. So I, when I first got published, the reason I wrote romantic suspense is because uh, the uh, publishers were looking for romance novels Mm -hmm. and I wanted to write mysteries, but a published author older and wiser than me at the time said, why don't you write a romance because you'll have an easier road getting published by traditional publishing. So um, long story short, I pitched to an editor and, um, ended up with uh, my first publishing contract. And that's when I wrote Night Magic, the first book, my first book. And um, subsequently, it was a two-book contract. 
a novel called After All. Mm-hmm. Now, After All, wasn't that made into a movie? Yes, BET made that into a television movie based on uh, my book starring Holly Robinson Pete. Mm-hmm. That's the quarterback's uh, wife, and she used to be a girlfriend of uh, Mike Tyson, as I recall. No, that was Robin. Oh, that was Robin Gibbons on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Get your gossip straight. I now. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Get your gossip straight. Oh, man. Now, you mentioned pitching to an editor. Can you talk about the process of actually getting published? You know, it's a little bit different now, I guess, with self-publishing and the e-books and the whole bit. But just kind of give us some perspective. What was it like when you first started? Um, I guess within the, it was like the 90s, early 2000s. Like, what was that process like? So at that point, um, the only way to really get wide distribution, I mean, distribution with your books in the bookstores and and being able to reach people who actually, you know, buy books, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, was to become traditionally published. As you, you mentioned earlier when we were talking, Omar Tyree and um, other, and even Terry McMillan, they did, they started off self-publishing because it was so hard for authors of color Mm -hmm. to get a contract. Mm -hmm. And so that was the only real viable way to get your book in the hands of a mass audience. So what I did was, which is the still the best way Mm -hmm. was I went to a writer's conference and, you know, again, networking with authors with more experience for newer authors is something that I advise. So on the advice of an author, I went to a writer's conference that included um, your ability to sign up for one-on-one pitch sessions where you could pitch your latest project to editors and agents. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I went to this small regional conference. It was Mm -hmm. right here Mm -hmm. in Louisiana, driving distance. And it just so happens that Monica Harris, who started the arabesque line of first line of, of Af- uh, African American themed um, romance uh, novels, was there mm-hmm. looking for authors. So I pitched. I had five minutes. You usually have five to ten minutes. You don't have long mm-hmm. to pitch to them your project mm-hmm. to give them a elevator summary of what your book is about Mm -hmm. and to get them interested and your aim is for them to say would you send me a proposal and a proposal is the first three chapters typically and a synopsis of the entire novel Mm -hmm. and so that's that's the pitch process Hmm. and you 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 know of course i took advice i I distilled you because you don't have much time. So I distilled and practiced, you know, how I was going to summarize this book and made notes and everything. And that's how I got my first contract is I pitched live to an editor. I was, you know, I was nervous as Uh I mean, I I was so nervous that I really didn't remember what I said to her. Uh it was over because it was, it I was, was a spirit. You just was, we just was gone. <laughs> yeah. I was just, you know, and so she, it's because, you know, you can imagine you're meeting this, this editor from 
New York. Yeah. You know, in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And so I was in I was very, very nervous. Mm-hmm. And so luckily for me, that came across as excitement. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> about my book. Uh-huh. And so she said, you know, send me a proposal. Yeah, I really like the way you're so excited. I might have been incoherent, but since <laughs> I was so excited about it, she said, send me a proposal. Uh-huh. And so that led to me getting offered a contract. Wow. That's that's wonderful. So uh, after that uh, harrowing experience, um, was the book like already written? Did you just have the three chapters done? Like, tell me about that process of actually... I- I had like four and a half chapters done, but I'll be honest, I lied and told her I had five. (laughs) The reason why is that the conventional wisdom was that you, if you are a new author, if you've never been published before, Mm -hmm. an editor won't listen to your pitch if you haven't completed the novel. Right. Because they they need to know that you are going to complete the book. Mm-hmm. And not waste their time. Okay. So I didn't have this. No, the book wasn't completed. I and she knew I'd never been published before. Right. And that. And so I was pitching this book. And so I thought it'll make it would make it sound better if I say I have five chapters. Wow. So, okay. Cool. I got three or four and a half. I said, well, I have five chapters. Uh-huh. And so. I knew the proposal would only be the first three chapters anyway, so I knew I had those. Right. So, uh, so that's that's the 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 how you pitch mm-hmm. and what you you know you can expect. But at that time, we mentioned the changes. Yeah. Really, that was the only way to get wide distribution in bookstores mm-hmm. was to get a traditional publishing deal. Otherwise, you did you literally sold books out of your trunk if you self published. Now, now, who buys books? I'm sure it varies from uh, from genre to genre. But in your case, like, who is buying your books? Because you mentioned the importance of a big distributor, and that's for you know, so people know that you exist and they could go get your get your work. But who who buys the books in your case? Like, you got a demographic? Well, the demographic <clears throat> for for me, because I know from uh, a little bit from my newsletter. Um, typically the age is between 25 um, or so through um, all the way up to 50, mm-hmm. largely female, okay. largely in the United States for now. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the other thing, though, is that um, I think it was Pew Research, mm-hmm. which is a big research company, uh, recently, like uh, in the last 24 months, they did a survey of who buys books and the typical avid reader is a college educated black female period wow. isn't that interesting any, yeah for any genre interesting any, yes that's why it, uh that's why nate nate parker's movie almost got destroyed because he, he pissed that most powerful demographic off isn't that something yeah and i I don't know if we could take credit for it because <laughs> I, I understand the the movie had a few other issues uh-huh. going on. Uh, I can't do no more but, slavery uh, movies, but yeah, go ahead. Huh? I said, I, I, me personally, I can't do any more slavery movies, but the principle, you mentioned that demographic. I mean, that's driving a lot of industries. The college-educated African-American woman, that, that college, that's driving a lot of industries. Yeah, it is. 
Yes. And so that that's the demographic. Now, mm-hmm. mostly um, <laughs> mostly what they you know, I think they're the most popular genres that they in terms of reading um, and it's the queen of genre across the board. Uh, any demographic is romance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Romance. And um, I think mysteries come in second. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I really wanted to write mystery. The, the uh, I just wrote romantic suspense because this veteran author told me, you know, I said, well, I don't want to write romance. I want to write mystery. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, write romantic suspense. Well, being a new writer, I mean, green mm-hmm. new writer, I like, well, I had never heard of that as a subgenre yeah. of romance, romantic suspense. And she said, you know, you can have a murder in, in a, oh, yeah, uh-huh. right. I can get excited about it. And so I started writing that book and that ended up being the book that I sold, the first book that I sold. Wow. Now, so how green first- How green were you? Were you like you never wrote before? You wrote as... You got a bunch of novels on your bookshelf. You just wrote essays. Like, how green were you before you got that published? That was the first book I wrote. Seriously? That was the you first. You hit a home run the first time out? Is that what you're telling me, Lynn? You hit a, you hit yes, a home run the I first time out. Have, no, I did not have books on my shelf. I did not have manuscripts under the bed. That was the first book. Wow. And yes, that is very unusual. That is terrific. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, just... But, you know, I still have that traditional media in my head. In case you're tuning in, I'm talking to the wonderful author, Lynn Emery, uh, author of over 20 books, uh, mostly in the, the mystery, suspense, romantic genre. Uh, yeah, so crazy. Wow. You, you, you got published the first time out. Wow. The first, and the book wasn't finished, which I had been told. Uh-huh. First, you don't, you don't sell your first book, so I didn't expect to sell it. And then you have to finish the book. They're not going to offer you a contract. Mm-hmm. So I had it in my mind that, you know, I'm just going to finish this book. Think of it as practice. That's yeah. what, you know, I was pretty t- much told. Uh-huh. And so when I sold it, it was like, okay, this can't be practice because, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. my, you know, I've just signed this contract saying I'm going to deliver this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was the very first book that I sold. And so it was a wonderful experience. I signed, and I, and now keep in mind, I signed a two book contract, which meant I agreed to write a second book. Right. That was not written. Wow. That I had no idea what second book I was gonna write. Uh huh. So my late husband, he was alive, and my late husband looked at me like, "So you got an idea for the second book, right?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Um." Not right now, no. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it was just crazy. It was wow. crazy. So uh, my the 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 thing that and I don't sneeze on the fact that I was published so long traditionally, mm-hmm. but the but I was on this treadmill because, you know, it's easier if I had had books to pull out and dust off mm-hmm. and send in. But every book I wrote, I wrote new. It wasn't something I already had. It was an idea that I had, you know, I had to develop the plot and mm-hmm. the characters and all of that. So it actually would have been easier if I'd had those 12 books under my bed. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't. Isn't that something? So, that's something. 
So let's let's go with that. Now you're under the gun. They got you on the hook for two books, right? You already got the the first one. With kinda... an option for a third. Say again. With an option for a third. With an option for a third. So tell us what your writing process was like then, and tell us what your writing process is like now. I I became very um I'm very uh, obsessive, compulsive in a sense. And because when I'm when I'm in a panic, when I'm nervous, what I do is get organized. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I had to have this process where I wrote uh, a certain number of pages per day. Okay. So that's what works for me. Not like I know some people write, you know, I'm going to write an hour a day, whatever. My process is I write a certain number of pages a day. Mm -hmm. So I decided that let's see if there are 20 pages per chapter. And if I write five pages per day, then you see what I'm saying? I right. was trying to, cause the first book contract was for a hundred thousand word novel. Oh, wow. right. Okay. That's what 300, 300 and some pages. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. And again, I, you can imagine how panicked I was because I had never written a book before. What kind so of deadline I, in terms of time? Did they give you a year, six months? What was the deadline like? I had about, um, what can I say? It wasn't a year. I think it was about 10 months. 10 months. Okay. Wow. It was about 10 months. And But keep in mind, you know, I'm I've never written a book before. So when mm -hmm. I get the contract, mm -hmm. it says 100,000 words. You're like, oh Lord, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Well, that many the, words in the world. <laughs> right. And so then, but then I signed it. <laughs> you know? Wow. And, and then committed to do that twice. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I, th so that's what I do. And that's still my process. Still your process. I write five pages a day. Now, back then, were you doing like pencil and paper and then typing it later? Were you typing it immediately? Did you do outline first and then, or did you do like a quick draft? Like what was your, like how did you approach the story itself? The plot and everything, how'd you do that? Right, so um, for, that was my first book and I actually had not worked out who was gonna get murdered. I hadn't worked out any of that. So, so you were I surprised wrote, as much as the rest of us. Right, I wrote, I wrote, um, I did not outline that book. Mm -hmm. I Well, I did. I outlined on the fly. So I would write my five pages. and But there, here is a, a writer's trick, is that you never end a scene. You never end a chapter without starting the next scene, the next chapter, and just leave it hanging. So that'll, that'll push you to back to where you are in the story. Okay, so you so, foreshadowed the next chapter at the end of the, the previous chapter. I write at least two or three sentences of the next chapter before I stop writing. Gotcha. And um, so if I end, say, if I end chapter one, I start chapter two, at least two or three sentences. Gotcha. Okay, so it's easier for you to remember. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Exactly. So it's easier for you to remember. You don't start cold. Mm -hmm. um, when you're writing. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's my writing process in terms of, I write five mm -hmm. pages a day. Um, and typically I wrote five days a week. I, I wrote in the evenings when I'd come home from work, mm -hmm. you know, I'd have dinner, 
I'd look at the news, but by seven o'clock, I would be in front of the computer and I always started writing with the computer. Really? Now, yes. let me, so 90, 90 something. So back then, what what did you have, like a Dell or something? Or did you have a, uh, I can't remember the comp, I can't remember the compact or Mac. What did you have back then? Oh, you remember Gateway? Sure, I had a Gateway myself. The, the laptop was heavy. <laughs> I yeah. yeah, I I think that. Well, I had a desktop. The first, I think, my first computer was a Gateway computer. Okay, and a uh, uh, a guy. Um, I don't. I, somebody that I knew uh, at work. I'm I'm trying to remember who it was. Anyway, recommended this uh, guy who was a computer. Um, uh, he was in something in at Southern University, and he helped me pick my first computer. Okay, so you had a gateway desktop. I had a gateway desktop because I knew that um, computers, I mean, people, personal computers were, you know, just going to eventually be everywhere, which they did really, really rapidly. Mm -hmm. And that was the easiest way for me to write. Hmm, okay, okay, okay. So, and, and, and so has that process changed? I mean, are you on a Mac now? Do you, I mean, like what's, what's your computer, your equipment like now? No, I still have a PC and I still prefer a desktop. Okay. So my process now is, is that, um, I have two computer monitors. Mm -hmm. So I'm writing on one and I may have research or something else on the other screen. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And so, and that's, and that's really, and the reason I got into that because at my day job, we had a one, when I changed uh, to a different position, they had a uh, dual, you know, dual monitors mm -hmm. for our computers because we'd worked on two different programs that we needed to have open and mm -hmm. just having like a split screen, you needed a full screen yeah. for these programs. So, at one point, I worked at home, mm -hmm. and I thought, well, if I work at home, I'm really going to need these two screens so I can have these two programs open at the same time mm -hmm. because I was doing work in both of them, and I got hooked on that. Okay. Yeah, so once now, you get used to two screens, it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back. And then when you're doing your own your website, when you're doing a newsletter, you can open up graphics. You can you know, and search images mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and do so much with two monitors mm -hmm. that I just, I don't think I'll ever go back. Wow. Now describe, so, so you, you, you got this contract, knocked out the two books. Did you take the third option for the third book? Yeah. The third uh, book became, oh, I got, I, I have to remember which book it was. But anyway, yes, I did. I, I ended up having back-to-back -back contracts for the next 10 years. <laughs> so you became an institution there, basically. You put a lot of people to work over that publishing company. I, well, well, and I changed publishing companies. Um, I, I left the Kensington Publishing Company and mm -hmm. went to, well, Avon, which was gobbled up by HarperCollins. So that's how I became a HarperCollins. Okay. Author. Hmm. And so um so I had these back-to-back -back contracts with these I was con and then in the middle of that I also wrote a work for hire 
uh, to be that was part of a collection that was published by Penguin. Okay. Was it the so, same genre or something different? No, it was romance. It was a romance, a rom- romantic comedy, actually, which was different for me. And it was set in D.C., which is, I think, my first book that wasn't set in Louisiana. Okay, okay. okay. So it was one of, I think, five anthologies called The Lipstick Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, um, we talked about the the process of, you know, meeting with the publishers and getting the contract. We talked about the technical process a little bit in terms of you actually producing the work. Uh, what was it like um, in, early in your career in terms of promoting the book? Was it all done by the publisher? Did you have to go on book tours? Did you have to do radio? Like, what was that like? Promoting, um, what promoting a, lot of book? People, a lot of people were surprised, are surprised to hear is that most authors do all their, most of their own promotion because <laughs> the, the, the promotion budgets for publishers are very small and limited to huge big name authors. Mm-hmm. And and when they spend a lot of money on your book, they probably give you a little bit more promotion. But they don't they don't a lot of authors, they fund their own promotion. So when you see them, you know, doing book tours, most of the time that's coming out of their pocket or at least part of it is. So, you know, um, it's it's a lot of self-promotion, which taught me. Now, here is the thing. So I never became rich and famous. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get all this publisher support, though they did do some things for me, like, you know, got my got my books reviewed in some magazines. Otherwise, if I was self-published, that would not have happened. Mm-hmm. And they did a few other things. You know, my book was in a couple of my books were in essence profiled and wow. little things like that. But uh, but a lot of the publishing, the promotion and marketing um, authors do themselves. Like I was um, among the first of the authors to have a website way back in the 90s where, you wow. know, people didn't have websites. So mm-hmm. I started doing that and doing a, an author newsletter that was actually uh, or a page on my website. Mm-hmm. So I got, I, I was in, I like to learn new things. So I got comfortable with technology mm-hmm. in, in a way that a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, authors didn't. So the, the marketing really, it, it helped me be, um, an independent okay. in terms of knowing how to market and make connections and network. Now, now in terms of meeting with the fans, was that mostly done through like uh, events at bookstores where the expos that you were a part of, like, how did you actually meet the people, shake their hands, the folk that purchased your material, your books? Yeah, I did a lot of book signings mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and being invited to events like by ladies clubs or book clubs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this was before the advent of social media and online marketing. Uh-huh. So it, a lot of it was uh, live events, okay. signing at uh, libraries and uh, appearing at, um, at um, you know, different functions. Yeah, I saw, um, uh, what's, the fan, what's the lady, the African-American lady who was on Trump's Apprentice? She's like very well known. Amoroso. I saw her at a book Um, signing at Borders Books. I don't know if you remember that bookstore chain back in the day. Oh, Uh, yeah. 
I've signed at Borders back in the day, yeah. Okay, and um, Angie Stone, I've seen her at a uh, at a book signing. So it's it's beautiful to see those things. Now, were you shy? Were, were you comfortable meeting everybody? I mean, what was that about? Um, no, I'm I'm not. I mean, I'm an introvert, but I was not, I'm not shy about meeting people. You know, it doesn't like, you know, freak me out. Okay. Or, and public speaking doesn't freak me out. I got over that because my mother used to make me uh, volunteer to do things in church as mm -hmm. a kid. Okay. So I, I, and what I learned was that it didn't really, I, it doesn't make me nervous to talk in front of people. Mm, so mm. no that that didn't but I was just what what got me is that I was so exhausted because I was writing working full time mm -hmm. and doing the promotions which was a lot and I did do a lot of live events sounds like and it, it. it yeah I did and I did that for years it, it was exhausting can you explain to me the logic behind a publisher paying you to create this book and then just leaving it to you to promote? Does that make sense? Well, as I said, one thing that they do, like for instance, I was writing Romantic Suspense. So they would send my book to Romantic Times Magazine and Publishers Weekly. And, you know, they would send out uh, advanced reader copies to, mm -hmm. to be reviewed. That didn't guarantee it would be reviewed. Okay. So you would get some exposure like that. So there were those things that they did for you. But it is very, it's very much of a, a toss-up or uh, whether or not you get results from uh, promotion and marketing and advertising, right? So mm. you can put out all this money, but that doesn't mean you'll see a return. And publishing is a bottom line business, just like any other business. Mm -hmm. So they do a profit and loss statement on every book they buy. Mm. Mm. Right. So they they run numbers based on whatever it is. I don't know what formulas they use. Mm -hmm. But um, if you've never sold, a, you know, never been published before, they'll compare it to a similar genre book by an unknown author. Okay. So so they run numbers. They have their numbers. People may run numbers. And so they decide based on that um, a, a budget for each book. And most people are not going to become rich and famous writing a book. So it doesn't make sense to throw a lot of money in marketing. Because even now, I don't throw a lot of money in marketing. People, mm -hmm. you know, because the, the, you know, the only thing that you can guarantee when you market and advertise is that you, t that you inform people that your book or your product exists. Mm -hmm. The buying decision rests solely with them. Gotcha. You're trying to influence them. And see, a lot of people, they zone out when I say that. But uh -huh. I'm going to tell you, you don't make anybody buy anything. You influence them by telling them that you have something that they're interested in, mm -hmm. that they may be interested in. Mm -hmm. But the buying decision is is totally out of your hands, right? So if you think about that, then it makes sense. I don't hold it against publishing companies that they don't spend a huge amount of money publishing every book. Okay. Also, they they're a bottom line industry. They are not. They don't have the love and the interest in your product that you do. Right. So they're not going to ever do it as well as you anyway. Mm -hmm. Tell your story about your book. Now so, has has the advent has the advent of social media uh, changed the way you publish? Is it more effective, less effective, the same? Your thoughts. 
It's just, it, well, here is the good thing. So now we have indie publishing, mm -hmm. just like we have indie movie producers. We have, we call it, we don't call it, well, I don't call it self-publishing anymore because indie is more descriptive mm -hmm. of the kind of author, preneur that we are now. Whoa, well, wait a minute. What was that term? Authorpreneur. That's, let me write that down. Authorpreneur. Can you go into that a little bit, just in case it's not as obvious as I think it is? That's clever. Authorpreneur. Well, you're an, you're an author, but you are also an entrepreneur because you are selling a product. You're developing a product. You're being a creative person. You're being you're coming up with creative ways to market. You're building your own team. Um, you, you know, I have uh, someone, I have people who design my book covers. I don't do that myself. Mm -hmm. I have someone who converts my manuscript to ebook formats, the, um, the Mobi and the uh, EPUB formats mm -hmm. that I upload, you know. And so you, so you are an author, you are an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. authorpreneur wow. in that, right, you see. That's so, cool. exactly. So, that's why, even though I was traditionally published earlier, the fact that I did a lot of my own promotion mm -hmm. means that that wasn't foreign to me when I became indie. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So you did become indie because I was looking at all the books. I'm thinking the the, the publishing houses just kind of kept you real close, didn't let you want to didn't want to let you get away. So you became indie. I became indie. So. Um, it, Short story is I was um, with Harper Collins, yeah, um, and they wanted me to write more women's fiction, and I wanted to write more suspense, and so it, it really wasn't a good fit. They offered me a contract, and I turned it down, mm. knowing full well that it would be very difficult for me as a a, a woman of color to sell another book to traditional publishing. I knew that. When mm -hmm. I turned it down, I knew that the odds of me selling a mystery novel to traditional publishing, it's very tough. Mm -hmm. um, and But I was not, I did not see a future for me writing for them. I wasn't happy writing for them. Mm -hmm. And so I just um, quit. Now, this was before Kindle. This was before <laughs> uh, e-books, you know. Wow. Uh, so this is still the selling my selling my books out of my trunk days. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. Wow. And that's, so you, you you took a leap of faith. You, a leap of faith. You stepped out 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 there like Indiana Jones. You just uh, <laughs> right just because I out. didn't foresee all this other stuff coming. Uh -huh. And so um that so I was pretty much thinking, um well I had a good run and and now it's over. <laughs> It's pretty much over. Uh -huh. And so in the course of networking with other authors, though I never stopped networking with other authors, mm -hmm. I started hearing these rumblings about indie publishing and, you know, uh, self-publishing changing and, and all this other stuff. And so I started learning a bit by bit and connecting with people who design book covers because I, I wasn't going to try to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I learned over... I would say between 2007 and 2009, okay. I started, I just learned all of the, these new terms in the new world. And then um, I think it was, I can't remember when uh, Amazon introduced Kindle, but I saw the Kindle prototype 
at a writer's conference like a year before they released it. Wow. Okay. So I went to this writer's conference. Now picture this. This is like going to this uh, horse and buggy convention and somebody comes in with a car. Wow. You know, and so we met this, the, the little Amazon representative was this young man was there. By the way, I was only black off of there. It was a mystery writers conference in Florida. You were the and only so, African there? What? I, <laughs> I was the only, no, that was one other guy. And then I didn't see him that much uh, and he disappeared. He so I, so this, so this guy there, he has this session. He's, he has one of the workshops there, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be talking about this new thing called Kindle. Yeah. Exactly. One other person, other than me, no, two other people, other than me, even showed up at his presentation. Are you and one serious? of those people, and one of those people left during his presentation. I'm there geeking out because I'm seeing the potential. And at that time, it was just. You remember they were those little light gray? Yeah. And so he's showing it and he's he's uh, demonstrating it and this. And I'm sitting there enthralled. Well, all these other writers are like, that'll never catch on. That's a bunch of, you know, mm-hmm. that's a fly by night nonsense. And so I'm sitting in there, me and one other guy, and he's really not taking this little guy serious. And I'm thinking, Oh, you had me at download wirelessly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get your book in five minutes. Wow. <laughs> now keep in mind, this was before they even opened up publishing. Mm-hmm. Amazon was just gonna sell books with this look, but it was just so amazing to me. And everybody dis in fact, I came back gushing about it. Mm-hmm. And I was at the luncheon at this conference gushing about it. And all these other authors were looking at me like I lost my mind. Wow. So you got a and you got a look- spider sense for, for new technology, it seems like. Yeah, I did and I mean I kept saying this and I kept saying and the, the creator is going to be in control of their content mm-hmm. and the content creator. And they're looking at me like nobody will, that won't catch on. Mm-hmm. We love the feel of a book, mm-hmm. you know, book lovers won't ever, you know, that's just not going to catch on. Mm. Well, that was the Kindle. Wow. <laughs> that is and something. I, numerous people laugh at me. Authors laugh at me when I talked about it. Now, how soon after that, you said that the Kindle came out a year later? I think it was about a year later when they started selling the first ones that were like beta testing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were having customers beta testing, getting feedback so that they could, you know, tinker with it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, how long after it was began to be sold did you get one of your books out on Kindle? Do you remember? Well, as soon as they, I don't, it's, I can tell you, as soon as they announced Kindle digital publishing mm-hmm. was in business. Uh-huh. I started learning how to upload my book. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Look, you're I mean, you're you're a bit of a pioneer, Lynn. That's the sense that I'm getting. Well, I was one of many, or, or at least there, a maverick. Is that more accurate? Yeah, because you know it is. What really funny is that I was in an author group discussing online. And mm-hmm. and this one author, and I remember, I'm not gonna say her name. She was like, um, "Nobody's gonna be interested in that. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous." Mm-hmm. And and that was like six months before the whole 
game changed. Wow. In terms of digital publishing and authors taking control and some big name authors uh, releasing their own indie books. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I just, um, I just like, it made sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not an early adopter by nature, but it made sense. The business model made sense to me. Mm-hmm. It made so, sense because it opened up the door for more content to get out there for more voices, for more titles, for more artists. Is that the deal? Well, listen, when I travel, I would take two or three books with me. Mm -hmm. Then I'm looking at this little device that will have however many books I want on it Mm -hmm. to travel just as a user, not an author. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking this is going to catch on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because if I can just put this in my purse versus pack my suitcase with four or five books, because I read fast. So if Mm -hmm. I'm going on vacation, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm looking, I'm thinking ahead of that, of how I read. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm an avid reader that 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 business model made sense. They were thinking ahead to the avid multi book reader. Yeah. That's something. That's something. So you were one of the first authors in your group to get a website back in the 90s. Um, You were an early adopter of uh, digital publishing. Do you have any predictions about the future, five, ten years down the road? What do you see in in publishing coming down the pike? I see I see more uh, I see more indie indie authors. For one thing, a lot of the systems that were in place uh, will be pretty much irrelevant. And they, they kind of are now like back then you needed to have a traditional publishing um, a contract to be able to have wide uh, exposure, like amazon.com and all that. Well, you don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. You needed an agent to get a traditional publishing deal. And so really, and truthfully, in my opinion, literary agents are just not necessary anymore. Mm. Um, uh, You're just giving up a percentage of your income Mm -hmm. uh, for them to negotiate a deal. So I think looking farther ahead, more and more even traditional authors will begin to realize that they don't need an agent. Mm -hmm. They will need an intellectual property attorney or literary attorney to maybe negotiate these contracts, which are long, complicated legal documents, mm-hmm. but you pay them a flat fee and then you're done with a literary agent. You pay them a percentage of your sales for as long as that book is on sale. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you, so what you're saying is direct to consumer is, is the, is the new paradigm. Uh, I guess the technology is always going to change. Do you think people's taste in literature is going to change? I think people, I, you know, who I can't predict what the next, you know, new thing genre will, will be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think more and more authors, I think this new paradigm is a boon for authors of color in particular. Okay. Because we were pretty much and still are shut out of the mainstream publishing house because their thing was you know 
people, black people don't read and black people can't write. Mm -hmm. That sums it up. And in this era with social media, we don't have to have a middle person to, to, to get to our audience. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have a publishing company to get your book out to people who like to read murder mysteries, which that's what you write. Mm -hmm. So I think that what I think the next wave will be is indie authors, especially indie authors of color. And they're starting to do this now. They're starting to develop their own, um, their own movies, their own performance, uh, their own um, graphic novels, their own uh, uh, you know, comics and, and animated series. Mm -hmm. So I think the next step will be indie authors who put their stories in other formats. Wow. That's, That's what I see. That makes we, sense. we have one, one author that Cerise and I in this group that we started with, Milton Davis. Mm -hmm. He's he writes a sword and something called Sword and Soul, mm -hmm. which is Game of Thrones but set in Africa. So wow. instead of Eurocentric sort of fantasy novel the way Game of Thrones is and Lord of the Rings and everybody has an English accent, mm -hmm. his books are set in ancient Africa. Interesting. That's the second time his name has come up. I got to reach out to that brother. Right. So he right now, what he's working on is a role playing game mm -hmm. based on his the world that he's built in his fiction. Wow. And he is doing that right now. You know, that uh, uh, Dragons and Dungeons game that's so popular, the role playing games. Uh -huh. Well, that's what he and. Uh, Balogon Otajide uh, are doing. They are creating a sword and soul role-playing game, and he's also developing um, uh, a video game. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, wow. So just what you so said, that multimedia platform, not just limited to books, not just limited to books in different formats, but graphic novels, video, just, just a multi- uh, prong approach to uh, taking the media and, and spreading that across different platforms. That's beautiful. Exactly. Like web series, the way Issa Rae, Issa Rae started, mm -hmm. you know, with a web series, Awkward Black Girl. Now she's got a series on HBO. Right. Um, so I think the, the, the lesson for uh, authors of color who've had it so tough for so long is to take advantage of social media and all of the new ways to reach your audience directly, mm -hmm. to reach your constituency directly in your niche, whatever mm -hmm. it is, and to take it to the next level. Wow. Wow. I think that's the perfect place to end it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to lynnemory.com and you can see uh, not all of her books, but a whole mess of her books. And uh, if you, you can go to Amazon and look up uh, Lynn Emery. And there's about 20 books out there. Is that correct? About 2022? Yes, correct. 20. Yeah. And then you can get them in all the formats. You can get it in, uh, you know, ebook, you know, hardcover, paper, and audiobook. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. So there's a, a lot of ways for you to access this material. 
Lynn, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, glad to uh, have met you and thank you for inviting me.